0: You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It is Friday, January 19th, I think. Let me check my phone before I pull out. Yeah. This is The Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn. I almost forgot my name there. And you are riding home with me in the bitter cold. And uh, I don't have a full show for you today. I'm so sorry. Uh, Just in case you were wondering, I dominated again at ping pong. So even though I don't have a full show, I did have a great time playing ping pong today. But I would rather have a full show than beat all my coworkers at Ping Pong. So please send me your question about Christian apologetics and theology to Seth Dunn 88gmail.com. One bit of news. I was informed. Who told me? I think Terry told me that I uploaded the same episode twice. I think, uh, on last Friday, I uh, uploaded last Thursday's episode again. So I finally got around to fixing that last night. Uh, So if you try to download the Partnering with Hip City Church episode and got the Small Town Georgia Satellites episode, I'm sorry about that, but if you reset, you should be able to get the right thing. So I made that correction there. It's the weekend. I got a basketball game Saturday, so I'll have to review that tape Saturday, and I've got to review tape tonight. We had a rough one on Friday, uh, so I don't know if I'll get to a Cross Point City Church sermon review or not, but I hope to. I hope to get that going. For those of you who've been enjoying those extra weekend shows, I feel bad just because of my new way of life, working at home officially two days a week. Instead of having five shows, only having three. It's just just not as much Christian commute, not as much everyday stuff. And I don't know what I'd do if I worked from home all the time. I probably could. I'm gonna wait till the economy's bad one year. I mean, worse than, worse than it is now. And if they give us a low raise, I'll be like, I understand why we have to get a low raise. But I tell you what, why don't you let me work from home another day? That'll be like a raise. To save time and gas money. They won't care. That's my plan. I could probably ask for that now and get it. But I'm not going to. Because I want to feel like they... I want to make them feel like they're doing something for me. Which they would be. But that's it. And you know what, I'll tell you what. If I do get another work-from-home day, I'll try to do some studio shows. Today's show title, it's about Alistair Begg. I don't know what I'm going to call it. But Alistair Begg, who is a prominent... He's one of these famous preachers that people listen to, but not in a bad way. Like He has a good reputation. And he told some grandmother that she should go to her son's Gay, quote unquote, wedding, and we're going to talk about that. Is that good advice? You know how bad, or it's not. It's bad advice, but just how bad is it? So we'll talk through that. I was going to do the show topic spearing the whale, but I think I'll I'll save spearing the whale till Tuesday. Now. That's a, is that a band's name? Are those the people who sing, Hush, hush keep it down now, voices carry. I, whenever, uh, I can't help it when I get a song in my head. I don't want to be behind this tractor trailer at the red light. Forget that. All right, that's what's going on with the show. We got the Bible chapter review. We're in Matthew still. Jesus is still before Pilate. Matthew chapter 27, verses 19 through 23. So the high priests and the elders have brought Jesus before Pilate, and they've said a bunch of bad things against him. Jesus has basically ignored the the charges and ignored them. He's not defending himself, which Pilate's amazed by this, that Jesus' life is in his hands, and Jesus is not trying to defend himself against these guys. And then Pilate figures out that Jesus hadn't really done anything wrong because he can tell that the chief priests are envious of jesus and he he knows jesus is being set up so he he devises the plan all right we'll see if the people want him released i'll offer them him or barabbas and i don't tell you this how many times throughout church history have people give me barabbas instead of jesus Every time somebody goes to Joel Osteen's church, give me Barabbas. Every time somebody goes to listen to Hill Song, give me Barabbas. All right, then, you know, I'm not going to spiritualize that. That'd be a good, that'd be a good sermon if I was a hillbilly preacher or or even a black preacher. And they say, give me Barabbas, or the hillbilly, give me Barabbas. You people, you going to watch the? you're going to watch the nudity on the Netflix turn pick up that pick up that remote control and say give me Barabbas you don't want Jesus right, so I don't want to spiritualize that listen just cause I know how to preach good doesn't mean I don't know how to preach bad I just wouldn't do it just wouldn't do it verse 19 While he was sitting on the judgment seat, well, uh, sitting on the judgment seat, sitting on the judgment seat, that's the tough one to say. While he, that being Pilate, was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, have nothing to do with this righteous man. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him." So apparently Pilate's wife has had a dream about how Jesus is righteous and the Jews are setting him up. But, but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. And he said then, And what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? They said, crucify him. And he said, it's getting dark. He said, what evil has he done? Pilate didn't say it's getting dark. I said that. I couldn't read my handwriting. And he said, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. The Jews should have been waiting with great anticipation for the Christ, and some of them were, and when the Christ got there, they rejected him before the pagan governor handed the Christ over the pagan governor and said, crucify him. What did the pagan governor say? He ain't done nothing. What evil has he done? And the crowd demanded, after being persuaded by their wicked leaders, the chief priests and elders, that Jesus should be crucified. Notice Pilate here. He notices, on his own, that the chief priests and elders are envious of Jesus. This is indicative that he he knew, or suspected at least, that the the charges against Jesus were trumped up. His wife even told him, something's wrong here, he's done past the smell test, I had a bad dream about it. He asks the crowd, what's he done? They can't say anything. They just are out for blood. Crucify Him. Give us Barabbas. And with that, we'll end the Bible chapter review. There is no question. And I'm going to tell you this, we'll get to the show topic. I wish the lady would have asked me her question that she asked Alistair Begg, or pretty much anybody else on earth, So here's what went down. Alistair Begg, is he Scottish? I think he is. He's a preacher that you'll often hear on the radio. I think he's Presbyterian, but I'm not sure. A grandmother asked Alistair Begg if she was wrong for not going to her grandson's gay wedding. Quote-unquote wedding. And this is how Alistair Begg responded. And this wasn't some private conversation that was made known by the woman. Like He talked about this on his radio show or his podcast. You could find this. And he basically asked her, does your grandson understand how you feel about his lifestyle and your love for Jesus and how you feel about his lifestyle? And she said yes. Or he, so then he said, well, since he understands about it, Go to his wedding and get him a present. Like, like, this is the loving thing to do. No. No. Romans 1 not only condemns homosexuality and other forms of personal idolatry and turning away from God but it also condemns those who give approval. When someone invites you to a wedding, you, by attending that wedding, are giving your tacit approval. It's a celebration. If people don't want to have a celebration, they can go get married down at the courthouse. I don't know how it works in England. Probably the same way. You can go down to the preacher's office. I was in the preacher's office the other day at Tabernacle. I went to pick up some books. And I said, I haven't been here since uh, I was about to get married. And then I said, I bet there's a lot of marriages that happen in this office. <laughs> uh, probably a lot of shotgun weddings. I said, mine, not mine, but you could just go to the preacher's office and get married. You can just go to the courthouse and get married. You don't have to have a big affair and a party. The reason you invite all your friends is you're celebrating the marriage together. My cousin got married... I want to say... October. October, November would have been or four months ago then He's in his 50s. And this is marriage number three for him. He invited me to his wedding. He invited all my cousins to his wedding. And I haven't seen this cousin in a while. And I love my cousin. He's a good cousin. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice to go down to my cousin's wedding all the cousins are going to be there, and we probably haven't all been together at the same time since my granddaddy Jim died. You remember I talked about my Aunt Margie and Uncle Peck? Uncle Tom, we call him Uncle Peck. His real name is Tom. I have no idea why we call him Uncle Peck. But my Uncle Tom and Aunt Marjorie, that's my, grand, my granddad's brother, Uncle Tom. Um, since my granddad died, I haven't been with all my cousins at a Thanksgiving or Christmas. I've seen some of them, but not all of them together. I would have loved just to go and be with my whole family, but I didn't go to that wedding. You know why? It's his third wedding. I'm not going to your third wedding. God hates divorce, and you've been divorced twice. I'm not going to your third wedding. What's the Bible say about people who get remarried? Now I don't I don't know the history of his new wife and if she's been divorced before or what. Right, frankly, I'm I'm glad my cousin's finally rid of that second wife. There were probably biblical grounds for divorce there, but my mom asked me, "Are you going to his wedding?" I said, "I already went to his wedding in 1991, and I'm not going to the third one." Because I'm not going to give my tacit approval to a third wedding. I did not go for moral reasons. Do I want my 50-year-old cousin to die alone? No. Do I want him to have love? Yes. But I'm not going to your third wedding. Period. And you people, if, if somebody invites you to a remarriage, knowing how serious a sin it is, biblically speaking. What Jesus said. It's adultery to marry a divorced woman. That's what Jesus said. If you're going to a remarriage and you don't know for certain that the grounds for the end of the first marriage, if it's a death, it's a death, so forget about it. But if you're going to a remarriage of a divorced person, you better know for certain that that divorce happened like this. There was infidelity or abandonment and the church declared that the person who committed the infidelity and did not repent and abandoned the marriage, the church has now declared that person through Matthew 18 a non-believer, and the non-believer has abandoned a believer, and therefore the person is no longer bound. If that's not the situation, don't you dare go to that wedding, because what are you doing? You are celebrating sin, and that has nothing to do with homosexuality, nothing, We're not even two, quote unquote, gay weddings. My wife's cousin got remarried. Some guy who was getting remarried to her—I don't know, four or five years ago—they invited us to the wedding. We're not going to your remarriages. I, I did I offend these cousins? I don't. Do my cousins know I love them? Yes. I'm not going to your remarriages. Now let's talk a homosexual, quote unquote thing. And let's talk of a hypothetical. If your friend or loved one, let's just say your grandson, all right, I don't know of a relationship other than from grandmother to grandson where the boy is doted on and loved so much. No one has ever doted on me and loved me like my grandma Maggie, period. Okay, and yes, my mom loves me. That might offend my mom. But you guys know what I'm talking about. Those grandbabies get spoiled and loved them. If your grandson said, I am having a big party. We're going to go out into an open field. We're going to have a tent. We're going to have refreshments. And I'm going to go walk out into the open field, raise my hands up to the heavens, and give Jesus Christ the double bird flip like Stone Cold Steve Austin does before he hits somebody with a stunner. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to flip God off. And that's why we're having a party. Would you go? This is an A for argument, by the way. Um, no, of course you wouldn't go. You'd be offended. That what every homosexual relationship is. Flipping God off. I know you made me a man, God. And I know you made them male and female, God. So you got me and this guy, who I supposedly love. And what we're going to do, not only Am I going to stick my private parts up his butt and vice versa, which is sodomy? Not only are we going to do that, we're going to officially solemnize the relationship and have someone declare us married. We're going to make our sodomy holy, and they are going to call one another husband. We might even adopt a kid. That's what they're saying to God. Screw you, God. That's what that is. Now you're gonna tell me, Alistair Beg, that you told that grandma to go to that ceremony? Because you're trying to show love to the grandson? Send him a present. No, that's not gonna to... and listen. Even if the justification was that's how we're going to win them to Christ, the answer is no. The answer is no. You cannot give approval to sin. And you listen when you say to your grandson, "Well, well, grandson, you know, Grammy loves you so much. I, I just don't approve of your, your lifestyle. So I just, I don't. I'm going to come and be there for you on your day, but I don't approve of your lifestyle. You just." just did by showing up and you know what that grandson's gonna think well she's just old-fashioned I'm 40 how many times do you how many times do you think one of my grandparents used the n-word or wanted to just or even wanted to be around black people I'm here in kind of the deep south. My parents were born during segregation. Alright? So, in my generation, if I was to marry a black girl and my granddad said, I don't approve of you marrying this black girl but I'm going to come to your wedding anyway, I would say, I get it. He's from a different generation. They didn't do race mixing back then. It's okay. You know, that'll die off. This is the way it is now. That's how I would feel about that. And I guarantee you, that's how these the, the gay grandson's going to feel. That's just my old Christian grandma. I, under, I'll, I You know, I love my grandma, but she's old and people don't think that way anymore like it's sociological. Let me tell you something, racism is sinful and homosexuality is sinful and they need to be dealt with as they're dealt with. And I mean the idea, send your grandson a present for his gay wedding When does a grandma ever just need an excuse to buy something for her grandson? If she just wants to buy something for a grandson because he's getting a new house, she can do it. But what you don't want to do is wrap up a little present and say to Johnny and Steve, congratulations on solemnizing your sodomy. Well, you know how I feel about Jesus. But I, I'm going to come here anyway. Think of it like this. Think of it like this. Here's a good one. Let's say that your friend is going to go off to the army. Let's say, uh, let's say your friend got, you know, caught doing some crime, and the judge says it's either jail or the army, son. So your friend's going to have to go off to the army, and he says, "Well, boys, I got to go to the army, but and I'm not going to see any women." basic training, let's all go down to the strip joint and have one big party. And you say, well, you know, I don't I, I don't approve of them strip joints. But I tell you what, since you're my best friend and I love you, i I will go to the strip joint with you. How's that sound? What if? the grandson had married a woman and they didn't get along so they decided to get a divorce and they had a what is these are popular now a divorce party would you go to the divorce party to celebrate the divorce the answer is well, i love my grandson i'm gonna go anyway the way you express how you feel about your lord jesus is acting like your lord jesus is lord Jesus said he did not come to bring peace but a sword. And he even said that he'd set members of the same family and household against each other. And you know, I really have to think that most of these gay grandsons out there, if their grandma won't come to their gay wedding, that they'll just accept it. And they'll still love their grandma anyway. Another one of my wife's cousins is quote-unquote gay married. You know what? She still loves her grandma, and she still comes home to visit her. I don't think any of us were even invited to the gay wedding ceremony they had up there in the, in the great pagan frozen north. I mean, I think she knew better than invite her grandma to a gay wedding, quite frankly. Just because you don't go to somebody's gay wedding, you're not communicating to that relative that you don't love them, but what you are communicating to them is that you're not as serious about Jesus as you indicated. You do not go to a celebration of sin, I mean, what do they say at weddings? I don't know if they say this anymore, but well, if there's any reason, if anybody has any objection to why this man and this other man, because that's what they'd say, is going to get to, uh, shouldn't be together, speak now or forever hold your peace. How could you not get up and say, I have an objection, it's sodomy and it's sinful and they need to turn or burn right now. And everyone here needs to repent for coming to this, flipping God off in his face. To go and say that is probably the only justifiable reason to attend a a homosexual quote-unquote wedding. I went to my friend's wedding once. Her name is Brianna, and I used to have a huge crush on her in high school. Gorgeous girl, and really nice. Like her for a personality, just not her looks. And she didn't like me that way back. Total friend zone. But still a really good friend. Well, after I got married, she invited me and my wife to her wedding. And I met that dude, and just I saw that guy, and I was just like, this guy ain't ready to get married. And Brianna had just come out of a long-term relationship with some dude that she was going to get married to or or, but didn't and then all of a sudden was engaged to this guy she wasn't pregnant and and everything about me in that moment it was a backyard wedding at this guy's parents house it was just like something's off here this this ain't going to work out this is this is bad so they get up and they're the it was I, I hesitate to call it a preacher it was a female Presbyterian minister anybody have any objection? And this is one of my best friends. This is someone that I love platonically. And but my wife knows I used to have a major crush on her. Am I gonna say that no, don't do it. So I was like, I don't want to upset my wife. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything but this is wrong. And I' I'll, I'll regret that for the rest of my days because that is not a good marriage for my friends. She, that guy was not good he was a bad husband and they got divorced and I don't know if that would have stopped the wedding but I should have said it I've never heard anybody stand up and say no don't do it but could you imagine this going to a gay wedding anybody know why this shouldn't happen Romans 1 When somebody is making a decision to help ruin their life, it is not loving to go along with that decision. Grandma, will you go to the abortion clinic with me? I just need somebody to be with me as I go through this hard time. No, I won't go to the abortion clinic with you and hold your hand after you murder a baby. No, don't do it. And does anybody think of the soul and the witness to the the, the grandson's, quote-unquote, fiance? His soul is in jeopardy, too. Oh, it's so cool that your grandmom came to our wedding and sent us this nice cherry coffee maker. This is super. This is super. But Alistair Big. Alistair Beck told that woman to go do this. I'm going to tell you this. It's a sin to approve of sin. It's a sin to celebrate sin. We're to love what God loves and hate what God hates. If there's someone who's a member of your church and they go to a gay wedding, that member should be put on church discipline and told to repent or get out of the church. Matthew 18. Tom Buck made a pretty good point on Facebook today, 1 Corinthians 5. If somebody was marrying his stepmother, would you you go to the wedding? Because remember in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul says, I heard that there's sinfulness practiced among you that's not even practiced among the pagans, that someone has his father's wife. Turn that person over to Satan. Now, that's within the church. I think we have to assume the homosexuals are out of the church, but you never know when they ain't. Now, Alistair Begg is wrong. But I think we need to take into account just how wrong... If Paula White said that, i am like, all right, you're Paula White. Of course you said that. You're a heretic already. If some mainline liberal Protestant pastor said that, okay, fine, that's what I expected of you. Have you guys ever noticed that there's no famous mainline liberal Protestant pastors? Like, nobody wants to listen to that preaching on the radio. If you turn on Christian radio, you will see, you will hear some heretics and some ear ticklers. But then there will be decent people on there too, like Michael Yusuf. Because there's a demand for good preaching. There's, there's enough Christians riding along in the car where well, they think, I'd like to be edified by a godly sermon. So somebody like John MacArthur or Michael Yusuf can have a national following that people will listen to. So you have faithful preachers, you have outright heretics, like Joel Austin and Joyce Meyer. But do you ever hear any mainline preachers that ever thought, what a great preacher, this lady from First Presbyterian Church? I can't think of one. Because they'd just rather listen to the lady on NPR than some mainline preacher. Even the mainliners don't want to listen to the mainliners. They're probably listening to the good the good preachers on Christian radio. Or the heretics. But what I'm saying is, any of those heretics on TBN, if T.D. Jake said it, well, you're already a heretic. If Stephen Furtick said it, you're already a heretic. I know you don't know better, Stephen Furtick. I know you don't know better... Joyce Meyer. Y'all are wolves in sheep's clothing anyway. I know you don't know better. Mainline lady preacher. They always have short hair. Short haired lady preacher. I know you don't know better. Alistair Begg. You know better. That's what makes it so wrong. Do you guys understand that it's worse that Alistair Begg said it than somebody else, because there's Christians on social media, so we don't want to cancel them. That's no, you do, because it's insidious when someone who's orthodox tells someone in pastoral advice to sin. Talking, you talk about cancel culture or something like. That. If your pastor advised someone in your church to do that or God forbid, he did it himself, would you see him fired? Not just corrected, but fired, because, like, you know what? If this is what you're doing, if these are the decisions you're making after all your training and study, then you're not qualified for the pastoral office. You're not apt for it. You're not fit for the care of souls. If there's somebody in your church who's just Joe Joe sitter, and he goes to a gay wedding do not think it through and people from the church come on and say, Joe sitter, you sinned in doing that. Think about this. And they give him the biblical argument and he says, oh man, I, I'm sorry, I didn't think of that. I was wrong. I, I won't do it again. I, I genuinely feel bad. Okay. Forget about it, Joe sitter. Everybody makes mistakes. But listen, when you're a pastor, forget nationally renowned radio theologian, preacher, etc., when you're a pastor, you, you just can't do that. You just can't do that being a care of souls. You think about what it says in the book of James, like in principle, like a principle of things. And I, I'm paraphrasing. If you don't know, you don't know. But if you do know, that's a sin. Because you know better. And to think some, somebody like Alistair Begg has, has spent his life preaching sermons and studying the Bible... He's got to know better. But he doesn't. So, you you guys know I don't like to draft on the Christian community. I don't like to talk about somebody popular. But I felt like that needed to to, to be brought up. One, because we all need to be able to give a defense for that. Because people are going to, well, you're unloving. You don't love your relatives. Well, yeah, I do. I do love my relative, but I love Jesus more. And that's why I can't go to this. And, you know, I really think 99 out of 100 times the relatives understand, like, I get it. Fine. We're still family. Fine. But then you also need to think of the reaction like this when somebody who's supposedly a man of God is recommending something evil, they need to be taken to task for that. What we don't go is say, well this, no, this guy's been a faithful preacher for 20 years. What you say is, oh my gosh, this guy's been a faithful preacher for 20 years and then he said this. It's hard to finish well. Look at the story of Solomon. Remember how Solomon allowed idolatry? Solomon was literally the wisest man ever, who'd ever lived. Because Jesus said, or God said, God the other father said, well, what do you want, Solomon? I'll give you anything. I want it. I want wisdom. You don't think Solomon knew better? to into his life the way he did? He did. People in high positions of trust are held to a higher position. When a 17-year-old college, not college, 17-year-old high school senior has sexual intercourse with a 14-year-old freshman, it's like, eh, that's not good. But we get it. When the high school principal does it, we put him in jail. Because he should have known better. And you pew sitters who listened to this little old podcast of a nobody dude driving a 20-year-old pickup truck. Y'all know better, and I know better. Why doesn't Alistair Beck know better? But the fact is, he doesn't. So you got to be careful who you listen to. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. Saturday, Sunday. At least by Tuesday, Lord willing, I will be back with you by Tuesday. As always, God bless. And as always, remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.